We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Saturday, July 8th. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm joined by my good buddy, Drew Silva. Uh, we're going to go over the Futures game, which is an event that I am headed to right after we are done recording here. Very excited to be able to do that. Got some fancy seats for it. I won't be doing any scouting. I will be drinking a bunch of diet soda, eating some good food, and watching some good prospects. But before we get into that, let's talk about some headlines. And look, Drew, Alec Manoa was a guy that fantasy players were drafting pretty high. Now, he was considered a fairly volatile player, I think, coming into the season. Some people real high, some people real low. I think the people that were low were feeling pretty good, unfortunately, about what has happened uh, with Alec Manoa this year. But he's back in the majors after his return to the minors, and he looked pretty darn good, Drew. Yeah, I mean, big big props to Manoa for jumping right back into the Blue Jays' Major League rotation Friday night against the Tigers and striking out eight batters over six innings of one-run ball in what was a 12-2 blowout win for Toronto. Detroit's lineup is about as bad as it gets, but the eight strikeouts, no walks. Manoa showed great command, 91 pitches only to cover his six frames. Um, it, Like you said, man, it was just kind of one of the oddest falls from grace, I guess you would say, Love in recent it. baseball history. That that sounds dramatic, but to go from being on so, on some people's minds a preseason Cy Young candidate um, mm-hmm. to a six three six ERA, one point nine zero WHIP, and an early June demotion to the minors, it was all pretty strange. Uh, but he was dominant in a Double A start last week, and then dominated kind of a Double A Tigers team. Friday in Detroit, we can hopefully just kind of give Manoa a clean slate entering and then coming out of the all-star break. He, he's an obvious must add again, if he was dropped last month and is still sitting out there on any waiver wires, but he, he's not available in, in competitive leagues. The right. the stuff and the mound presence is too good with him. And he's hopefully calmed all the walks. Like that was the main issue for why he was, he was struggling to get, through you know some lopsided innings when he was up in the first half with the Blue Jays. We'll see how it lines up. Uh, Manoa should get the Padres next. That'd be the Blue Jays' second series after the break. That's an intriguing matchup with San Diego. Well, it'll tell us more than what that start against the Tigers told us, but um, definitely encouraged by what we saw from him on, on Friday night. For sure. Yeah, it's great to see him back. By the way, he was not the only return real quick i want to talk about carlos rodon uh made his first start of 2023 it finally happened uh two runs in five innings but not the most dominant that we'll see him pitch but uh worth pointing out that the velocity looked good averaged 95.5 miles per hour on his fastball he threw his fastball a lot 53 of those compared to 16 breaking balls 12 sliders two curves two change-ups i think he's going to be just fine folks it's great to see him back um Maybe you'll see some clunkers as this is basically the start of his season. We see that uh, lots of good pitchers get off to mediocre starts, but I believe Carlos Rodon, his stuff competes with anybody in baseball right now. Uh, Really nice to see him back on the mound. I imagine he'll start either Friday or Saturday after the all-star break. They can get that rotation set up and that rotation is awfully important because Drew, that lineup stinks. Holy crap on a cracker. The Yankees lineup right now is like, 
92-93 Yankees bad, which it's been a while since we could talk about a Yankees team that is this ineffective with the offense. Aaron Judge might be the most valuable player just because it, you're seeing what happens when yeah. Aaron Judge is the part of the New York Yankees. If you went by that uh, uh, quote, I think he would definitely qualify for it. Um, uh, those are some positive news returning. We've got some negative news for the Pirates, Drew. A couple of guys going on the injured list. Yeah, Andrew McCutcheon and Cabrian Hayes both hit the IL for the Pirates on Friday. McCutcheon with a lingering elbow issue that first sort of popped up uh, toward mid to late June, and now he's going to need at least 10 days off. For Hayes, it's a quick return back to the IL after he was just activated on Thursday. He's dealing with the same ongoing lower back discomfort. Uh, as far as the fantasy fallout with these two, McCutcheon's been pretty good in his return to yeah. Pittsburgh. Like, definitely ha has some value in fantasy, but uh, he was slumping so far in July, probably related to that elbow discomfort. Um, mm -hmm. He could be a trade chip for the Pirates uh, if he gets back to full health before August 1st, which is the trade deadline. He's expressed a desire to stay uh, and play another year with Pittsburgh in 2024, but they'll deal him if if some contending team uh, wants to find a spot for a guy who can hit at the top of the lineup still with some power in his mid-30s. Uh, Man Choi probably slides into the DH role for Pittsburgh uh, with McCutcheon out and possibly being on the trade block. Choi went nuts on his minor league rehab assignment with 10 hits and 31 at-bats, three homers, nine RBIs, and nine games between AA Altoona and AAA Indianapolis. Maybe in like a very deep or NL-only league, Choi would have some fantasy appeal um, but I, I don't really buy into what he did in that limited stint on the farm with, with Hayes. It's, it's a bummer, like lots of other injuries, just building up on his ledger already at age 26. He's not running as much this year, I guess, for obvious reasons with, with the lingering back stuff. Um, and he doesn't offer enough power to be like a regular fantasy third baseman. So I, I don't know. I, I I think he's almost like droppable in, in a shallower, you know, 12 team league. If, if you were still hanging on to him um, or put him on an IL stint and, and hope he can rebound in the second half, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a long absence, but they'll probably be a little more careful with it uh, than they were the first time around. Jared Triolo is, is going to get an extended look at third base with the pirates. He's kind of solid with some yeah. speed, maybe gets lead off opportunities against lefties. Actually, Henry Davis uh, hit lead off Friday which was interesting his first time in the leadoff spot with, with McCutcheon and Hayes both out. So yeah, some interesting happenings like deeper league stuff with the pirates, even as they kind of predictably fade away in, in the terrible national league central. What are we talking about with Cabrian Hayes? If he wasn't like the best third baseman in baseball defensively, like is he even a guy that is a, he's, he is basically a faster Jack Sawinski man, or excuse me, uh, Hanrahan. Jack Sawinski's good. Yeah, <laughs> I like Sawinski. He he is he is just a defense guy to me right now. Like uh, the hard hit percentage is encouraging, I guess. His expected batting average tells you that he should be um, better than he is, but his approach is so bad. He swings at so many pitches outside of the strike zone, uh, makes contact with him, but it's just really hard for me to believe he's ever going to be the power guy that we thought we saw in 2020. Um, just a real big Yeah. Uh, the long term, totally still give, get a shot. give up on him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I, I, I think, think I can give up on him for 2022 though. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's 26. Like we've seen guys like this that are kind of sustained by their defense. Sometimes it's catchers. Um, but mm -hmm. then, like, you know, they get they get enough reps at the major league level against major league pitching that they kind of figure something out, figure out how to best use their skill set. And, and hopefully Hayes will reach there eventually. I, he's this is going to be kind of I mean, a, a, I wouldn't want to say a lost year because he'll he'll rack up enough games, but he's going to he's like not going to go in drafts next season. Um, and so maybe that's the, the year that he has kind of a post 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 type breakout or something. But that's that's looking at it optimistically um some other injury news Asteri Ruiz uh, yes. who has already set the A's rookie record for most stolen bases in a season he was Crazy. placed on the injured list Friday uh, after dislocating his shoulder earlier this week on a dive back into a base Th there's not a timetable yet for his return um, I'm sure they're running some tests to see if the dislocation messed up anything else in that shoulder but I think it'll be a little while longer than 10 days at least 43 steals in 85 games is what 
Ruiz leaves behind the MLB stolen bases leader and about the only useful Oakland player in fantasy. I guess Brent Rooker's had some stretches and JP Sears has been useful sometimes as a streamer. Um, but looking out there on waivers for some cheap speed players yeah. that can swipe bags and who play often enough to swipe bags and help keep Ruiz managers on top in that category during his absence. Willie Castro is at 19 steals with the twins almost got to 20 on Friday, but was caught. Um, it would have been a, a two steal night for him. He's in the starting lineup for the twins a lot, whether he should be or not. The twins offense has been terrible this year, um, especially lately. Castro is yeah. eligible at like every position too. So some flexibility there and he's widely available. He's rostered in, in like less than 5% of leagues. Jorge Mateo's like at the top of the chart there. Jaron Duran is, is at like 30% roster percentage. Duran's the best get if he's available for you uh, playing really well and, and an easy plug in for Ruiz as an outfielder, Joe Adele too. What he hit cleanup um, in his first game back in the majors on Thursday, hit fifth and started in center field. On Friday, um, helping to cover for the the loss of Mike Trout, Joe Adele ripped it up in AAA again, like he always seems to do. And, and maybe this is like finally the opportunity that, yeah. that he takes advantage of. Not that he's going to be a huge speed demon, but if you just need an outfielder, I would roll the dice with with Adele or or grab Jaron Duran, who who fits the profile a little bit better. Yeah, it's been kind of comforting seeing Duran play as well as he has, just because. He was somebody I was so high on coming into 2021 and his approach at the plate was so bad in 2021 and 2022. It just didn't look like he was ever going to reach those lofty heights. Still, still has his defensive bugaboos, not exactly an elite defender out there, which is goes to prove that, Hey, just because you are a fast guy doesn't necessarily mean you're a good defensive player. I've noticed that for my Seattle Mariners with one T Oscar Hernandez, uh, there's a, one other injury that we wanted to get into before we get into the second half oh, of yeah. our show. A Jordan Montgomery, a hamstring tweak. Uh, kind of a scary little situation there for the Cardinals, whose pitching staff doesn't exactly inspire a lot of hope, even with Jordan Montgomery. No. Yeah, another doom and gloom sort of turn of events for my Cardinals. <laughs> We're stuck in a, a doom and gloom cycle. Uh, Montgomery left his start Friday against the White Sox with a, a right hamstring injury, just kind of pulled it. It looked like on a, on a pitch to Elvis Andrews in the, I think it was the fifth inning. And he's probably going for imaging as we chat here right now on, on Saturday morning, the Cardinals could delay an IL decision until after the all-star break. But mm. this sounds like a multi-week thing from what we know at the moment. It sounds like it's a strain, even if it's a mild strain, he'll probably go on the IL, which yeah, it brings the trade deadline conversation into play, given that Montgomery's an impending free agent and the Cardinals are buried, even in a bad NL Central. And He's been really good up to this point and I think could fetch a decent haul if, if he can make it back to full health before the August 1st deadline. They've got Jordan Hicks, Jack Flaherty potentially on the block, and I, I kind of wish they would dangle Paul Goldschmidt. I, I know they're not going to, uh, yeah. but with so many contenders needing rotation help, I could see Montgomery definitely moving because they didn't even talk to him about a contract extension this spring, according to reports. Wow. Um, I don't know how the Cardinals are, are going to navigate this. Like Michael McGreevy has been talked about as a potential call-up candidate. Um, talked about like by speculators, not by the Cardinals themselves. They've just got so sure. many innings to cover with Adam Wainwright out indefinitely, out indefinitely and looking all of 41 years old. Um, and just the rest of the rotation being really underwhelming. It, it might be a situation where McGreevy is just absolutely needed um, unless the Cardinals want to just tank the rest of the way, which I wouldn't hate. I think they need to be aggressive and do something, you know, sure. one way or the other. Um, and McGreevy's not like a big swing and miss guy, more of a, more of a command dude. He has a 3.26 ERA with 70 strikeouts in 91 innings this year between double a Springfield and triple a Memphis. Um, 18th overall pick in the 2021 draft, a name to watch. At least I don't know if he's sure. actually going to come up. Maybe they just put Dakota Hudson in the rotation and that'll be wonderful. Oh, buddy. Well, here's the good news for once. You're actually going to earn one of your high draft picks that instead of it being handed to you by a major league baseball, I think yeah, you're actually true. going to actually deserve, uh, the high selection that comes, but yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on, uh, I'm going on There's vacation somebody... tomorrow. 
So nothing, nothing can affect me, Chris. Nothing can hurt you. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, very jealous of that for sure. Uh, we're going to get into our futures game discussion in the second half, but first let's take a quick little commercial break. Uh, Drew, do you like home runs? I do. Do you like knowing when home runs are going to happen? That'd be nice. Well, we know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to that ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get early access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're going to get into this futures game. We kind of came up with a top 10, or, or you did, and I just poached off it. 
because <laughs> um, you're you're heading out there. You're a, a Seattle guy, and you're going to go check yes, out sir. all this talent on the field there at what is it, T-Mobile Park now? And T-Mobile Park. And you it's revealed to me to before me, the show but... that yeah, <laughs> yeah, always Safeco. You're in some kind of like fantasy suite um, <laughs> with like prime rib and yeah martinis. Yeah. You said you said you're going to be drinking diet sodas earlier. I think it's going to be domestic light beers. Um, yeah, and maybe top. Maybe. Ch- Top shelf liquor. <laughs> that sounds good. But, By the uh, way, real quick, yeah, so we, before yeah, I get into really it, I uh, just wanted to tell everybody, uh, if you happen to be in the Seattle area, I'll be at Jimmy's on first, which is right across the street from it, um, from about one to two. So uh, come say hi. Yeah, so we're going to kind of, we're going to throw out 10 names and maybe some honorable mentions of, of players that were invited to the futures game. Some of them participating, some of them have had to, to bow out, but uh, just names to watch for long-term fantasy appeal. And we kind of ranked them in the top 10, but it's really just, just a reason to talk about some of the more exciting prospects that are going to be on the field later in the day on Saturday. And I, and I thought this was interesting. Um, a few names from the 2021 futures game for anyone who might be like skeptical that these guys, you know, can quickly emerge and be impactful fantasy options at their respective positions. Again, this was just two years ago. We had at catcher in the futures game, Adley Rutschman, Francisco Alvarez, Bo Naylor at first base, Spencer Torkelson at second base, Bryson Stott shortstop, Bobby Witt Jr. Third base, Nolan Gorman uh, outfielders, Julio Rodriguez, Riley Green, Jared Kelnick, Michael Harris, um, it's a little bit lighter on the high impact pitchers. Some of those guys have not quite developed yet, but Nick Lodolo was there, Reed Detmers, Brian Bayo, and Shane Baz. Um, so it happens quickly, even more so in modern baseball, where where teams will get aggressive once young players show they're ready and you know the contract stuff is figured out. Um, you know, get value out of your cost controlled dudes while you can, and, and more teams are kind of embracing that. All right, let's let's get into it here. Um, these are your rankings. You want to give any disclaimers before we begin or let's just jump right into it. Uh, the only thing I'll say is it's, uh, I, I don't have a um, personal infatuation with the name Jackson. There just happens to be a lot of kids that are being named Jackson around this time. And uh, we're going to, you're going to hear about three of them, but uh, it is purely coincidental. I did notice that. Yeah. Number one yeah. on the board, Jackson Churio yeah. outfield prospect. Yeah for the Brewers, um, a somewhat underwhelming 714 OPS this year at double a 249 average 304 on base 410 slug. But I think you see the skill set in the counting yeah. stats, 11 homers, 50 RBIs, 23 steals and 71 games this year with Biloxi 36 homers, 47 steals in 215 total games since he began pro ball in 2021. And that was at age 17, 19 years old. Now just turned 19 in March, all the tools, um, I know the Brewers like to talk about Churio's intangibles too, and and he can play all three outfield spots. Um, are you, you surprised that he's not hit as well uh, at Double A, or just kind of a a thing that it comes with the territory of being a, a a newly turned nineteen year old? Yeah, that's the thing is that this guy turned nineteen in March. Like he is playing at an advanced level that, like you know, there are players that are going to uh, several players uh, high school players that will be picked in the MLB draft starting Sunday that are uh, at the age that Jackson Churio is um, I would have liked to see a little more consistency and there's been a little more swing and miss than I would have liked to have seen although 69 strikeouts in 71 games isn't terrible in today's day to day it's just not you know elite by any stretch of the imagination every tool is here for Jackson Churio to be a fantasy superstar we're talking about the ability to hit the ball hard, there's plus power, there's plus plus speed. There's also the fact that he's an elite defensive player or potentially in the outfield as well. And that does matter because while it do, you won't get fantasy points for it, it does help him on his rise through the system. Like he is that center fielder. He has a chance to be um, an elite defensive player. Only Drew Jones would I put well above him in terms of defense in the outfield. All of the tools are here from Tim to be successful. You're not talking about him as being a guy who makes an impact this year. And you maybe have to wait a little bit until 2024. But in terms of just pure fantasy skill set, I don't think there's any prospect that really comes all that close to Jackson Churio. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what he's done counting stats-wise. Well, like not, 
you know, having the best overall like rate stats and striking out a bit more than he had last year. Once he kind of figures it out and figures it out, he's he just turned 19 years old again. But you know, right. he, he, you could talk about the the entire package here. Um, and the the Brewers will have Garrett Mitchell coming back healthy sometime next year. Joey Weimer's been you know a little bit up and down, but pretty impressive. They've got Sal Freilich too. Um, this mm-hmm. kind of they're going to have too many outfielders at some point. Yeah. Christian Yelich is is obviously locked up long term too, and actually having a pretty decent year in fantasy. For um, sure. So they'll 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 be creative with some trades, I'm sure. Maybe even at this year's deadline to to start freeing up space for some of these guys. Um, Number two on your list, another Jackson, Jackson Holiday, shortstop prospect for the Orioles. He's played some second base, too, and, and a tiny bit of third. You'll have better knowledge on how his defense projects than I do. Um, the offensive numbers are bonkers. Yeah, uh, Jackson Holiday still looks like a baby to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was actively rooting for Matt Holiday at Bush Stadium like two years ago. I'm, I'm pretty sure on that time frame. Yeah. Um, but for for young Jackson right now, a 324 average, 974 OPS through his first 416 professional plate appearances this year, he has, or no, to, overall uh, eight homers, 24 steals, 22 doubles, six triples in 91 career professional games. He raked in rookie ball, uh, he raked in low A ball. He's now raking at high A ball. Just sure looks like a rising star at age 19. I, I, I wouldn't shock me, I guess, if he finishes this year at double A. The number one overall pick in the 2022 MLB draft, not even a full year ago, because that draft started, what, like more toward mid-July, July July 17th, I believe it was last year. Um, And he's just, he's done everything you'd want in like the first calendar year of of being a professional. And I can't get over how young he looks, but man, he's, I, I don't, there's not much more to say. Like this dude looks like he's, he's got everything. Yeah, if we're talking about just pure prospects, not from a fantasy perspective, I think he's pretty easily the number one prospect in baseball. He's got a chance for a plus hit tool, plus power. That's still coming. Like, he's still tapping into that. But the fact that you see so many extra base hits, like he only has seven homers this year, but he he has 17 doubles. Yeah, and he has has had six triples. He has a really good approach at the plate. Everything is super advanced. As far as the defense I think he's a shortstop for sure. Um, it's one of the reasons why he was justifiably the number one pick in his draft. Uh, I could see him playing second base or third base just because the Orioles have so many dang infield prospects that like, hey, if they determine like maybe this is the fastest way we can get him to the level. However, he's such an important part of their organization, I think, as a shortstop that I think he's going to play there more often. Would I be shocked if he got a chance next year to play some second base or third base for them if they believe Gunnar Henderson or Joey Ortiz or Jordan Westberg or goodness gracious, it's not fair how many infield prospects this team has uh, play shortstop instead. I still think he's absolutely a long-term shortstop. I don't know if he has the elite upside of say, like if you're looking at like who counts as prospects right now, I don't think he has Ellie De La Cruz upside. I don't think he has Jackson Churio upside. But he's in that Knox below, and if you're talking about just pure floor, I don't think any prospect has a higher yeah. floor right now than Jackson Holiday, which is weird to say for a player that doesn't turn 20 until December of next year. No, I think that's a good way that that I view him too. Like he's he feels really safe, maybe because yes. of the pedigree, um, but like just looking at the stat line, like he hasn't had any. He's going to run into some adversity at, at some level, but it just hasn't sure. happened yet. Um, like he seems to take every level jump just in stride and and he keeps doing what he's doing. Like, yeah, he's mostly hitting like doubles and triples right now, but some of those, like as, as he grows and builds, like just look at his, his dad and his brother who, you know, coaches at Oklahoma state, those are big men. And he's going to, he's going to round into form, be a, a huge dude at some point. Um, I don't Maybe he like keeps the athleticism and is, and is able to continue playing shortstop too. The, the Orioles have a lot to figure out in that regard, but it's one of those problems that usually sorts itself out. Um, For sure. And, and they can get creative with trades too. Number well three, Jordan, Jordan Lawler um, of the up and coming Diamondbacks, actually the, the current NL West leading Diamondbacks by a half game over the Dodgers. Crazy. Lawler went sixth overall. In the 2021 MLB draft out of Dallas Jesuit, which has pumped out a, a ton of great pro athletes in recent years, 
Uh, 28 homers, 66 stolen bases, and 167 total minor league games for Jordan Lawler. He got off to a slow start this year with a, kind of a quick and aggressive promotion to double A to begin the season, but seems to have found it at that level now at age 20. Since the beginning of June, he has a 306 average and a 947 OPS that spans his last about 130 plate appearances. So um, encouraging on paper adjustments, at least from Lawler. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, if you would have told me at this point last year that I would have two prospects ahead of Jordan Lawler, I'd be pretty surprised because I have been kind of infatuated with this dude since I saw high school tape of him. Uh, the Bobby Witt comparisons, I think, are pretty apt, except I think he actually is a better defensive player than Bobby Witt, which is nice to see. Although Bobby Witt has made a huge jump defensively this year from last year, which has been absolutely yeah. wonderful to see. Um this guy could do everything. Like he, he, like we talk about the Jackson Holiday. He Holiday has a higher floor. I think I would say that Lawler has a higher ceiling because I believe in his power and speed combination a little bit more, especially in terms of fantasy. Very easy to see this guy being a 30-30 player. It's not hard to see him with today's new rules for stolen bases being a 30-40, 30-50 type of player. He can really run, uh, and he has a great acumen on the diamond. Uh, real quick, just because I thought of it. Uh, is anybody freaked out more for nothing than the Corbin Carroll shoulder injury that happened the other day? I think all of us were well, ready to put that guy <laughs> on the. Dude, uh, he, well, even Carroll said because he it was the what the second time in the last eight games that he had left yeah. early yeah. and like looked to be in some discomfort. Oh, and he even said after it. he felt it again that he thought his yeah. season was over. But but it's it's apparently just nothing because um, oh. he was right back in the lineup on Friday night. I I don't know. I'm, uh, I went on. I, I picked I went him on what third overall in our, yeah. our redraft <laughs> last week. Yeah. Uh, I went on that cesspool of a website just for a second to see, and there were some reactions that were uh, not great. And then when I see he's in the lineup the very next night, I was like, oh, okay. Well, uh, but yeah, back to Jordan Lawler. I think there's a slim shot we could see Lawler this year um, just because he's been so good. And we have seen the Diamondbacks be fairly aggressive in the second half of years of calling up guys. I'd probably want to see him in AAA before, and maybe you will see that aggressive approach to AAA like at the end of July. He'd be someone I would be considering rostering in like an NL-only deep league um, just because if he does get that chance to play, the the power and the speed, but he's definitely somebody that you got to pay uh, close attention to because his fantasy upside is quite palpable. Uh, your number four and, and five here are intriguing to me. Uh, Junior Caminero of, of the Rays at four, 20-year-old shortstop and third base prospect from the Dominican Republic. Excellent minor league numbers at every stop so far. This year, a 333 batting average at 996 OPS between high A Bowling Green and the double A Montgomery Biscuits. I always have to say that full double <laughs> A Montgomery Biscuits. Um, emerging power quickly rising up rankings. Uh, he wasn't on that many top 100 lists heading into this year, but drawing a lot of love this summer. I, what's the story with, with Caminero? Like originally signed with the guardians as an international free agent. And then the rays, like in very Rays fashion scooped him up in sort of like a 40 man. There's always that 40 man roster crunch, the sort of the non tender deadline issue around November. This happened in 2021. And, the Rays got him from the Guardians for uh, what is it? A, a guy who's in the a pitcher who's in the Brewers system, right? Jacoby Myers, yeah. I think, is, was his name. I think that was if, the if, deal. If, yeah, if, if, if that's right. Yeah, it was just like one of those forty man moves, and the Rays got him, and now he looks like I mean he he's one of the top prospects in baseball. Tobias Myers, by the way, um, Jacoby Myers is Tobias the wide receiver Myers. that uh, is usually right. your wide receiver right. for in fantasy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Thank that you. is a trade. Look, the Rays acquired Curtis Mead for uh, Christopher Sanchez, who's actually looked okay lately and made that trade not look as horrific as it was lately. Uh, the Tobias Myers trade will never be a good one for the Guardians. This will be their uh, Casey Blake, Carlos Santana reversal, basically. Uh, there are some folks, Drew, that I talk to who think Caminero is the best prospect in baseball. Like, the, wow, not not just uh, best rising prospect, not just best prospect in the Tampa Bay system, just flat out the best prospect in baseball. This is a 20-year-old who has elite power, elite feel for the barrel, um, 
The only reason why he ranks below the names that we have below is just stolen bases aren't going to happen. He is a fringe average runner. I could see double digits, and that's great, you know, but he's also got a chance to win a batting title, which I hate the name batting title, but he does have a chance to lead the league in average. He has a chance to hit 30 to 40 home runs. He has a chance to be an elite run producer. Defensively, I think he's more of a third baseman than a second baseman, especially if we see the shift actually start to get limited, I think that's going to become more important because you're not going to be, even now you can't play him as the Rover in the middle of first and second base. Um, range is going to start mattering more. As I believe they're going to start pushing back these shift things, every CBA or whatever the heck you want to call it. I love the bat. He has a chance to, in terms of just the offensive upside of hitting for average and hitting for power, I'll put him above anybody. The only reason why I put him in the middle of this list is just the fact that, look, in fantasy baseball, if you're playing in a five-by-five league, stolen bases matter. And 20% of the category, Caminero is going to be well behind those guys. But he has a chance to be a special offensive player. Oh, gosh, the Rays. They're so good at this. It's so annoying how good they are at this. It would be so great if they um, spent money. But you cannot deny that their player development system is as good as anybody. Yeah. Cam and Arrow's numbers, are, they're just loud. Yeah. Um, number five, I said, was also an intriguing one. Marcelo Mayer, uh, shortstop prospect. Marcelo Meyer, shortstop prospect for the Red Sox. He was the fourth overall selection in the 2021 draft out of a high school in California. Entered this season as a consensus top 15 overall prospect. Um, I'm an idiot who just looks at stats usually when it comes to prospects and I'm, I'm not seeing especially glowing numbers from, from Meyer this season between high A and double A. So I, I don't know, sell me and, and the Sox fans on this one. I, I know the, the general like evaluation with him is kind of all over the map, but it seems like, you know, the baseball America baseball prospectus, the, 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 the MLB pipeline people of the world seem pretty high on him. I don't know if that's a consensus, but yeah, um, people love him, and some people are skeptical. It seems like. Yeah, and there's reason for some uh, skeptability. I think that's a word. Uh, so he's that's played not. 64 games uh, in Greenville. He was hitting 290, 366, 524 over 145 plate appearances. That's good. Since his promotion to Double A, he's at 196, 266, 402. That's not good. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm not going to destroy a player's value, so to speak. Uh, especially a 20 year old uh, for 112 at bats in double A. Like the, there's, there's yeah. still way too much offensive upside. Like even with the struggle of what's been happening uh, in double A so far, a 249, 322, 471 line is an abhorrent. It's not an elite prospect by any stretch of the imagination. I like Meyer as a floor guy because he has a chance to, he's already starting to tap into the power. He hit all of 13 home runs last year while hitting 30 doubles. The homers are starting to come. He's already hit 13 homers. He's stolen nine bases. There's a lot to like about Meyer's skill set. We might be went a little too high on him uh, being a potential guy to help them this year. Um, I was thinking it was there was a real shot because of the fact that they didn't get a shortstop in Trevor Story. You know, he's going to come back, but I still think Meyer has a chance to be a better option for them than Story. I think Story is better at second base at this stage in his career. Uh, a guy who we're talking tools has plus hit plus power, uh, solid average speed, uh, and a really good defender at shortstop. The best defensive player in the infield that we've talked about so far by a long shot. Yeah, the numbers in Double A are disappointing. I wouldn't hold him against him too much. I think Meyer has a chance to be a fantasy star in a couple of years. I dig it. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to to evaluate these guys just based on. Numbers. numbers it's, yeah. it's what a lot of us do of course but it's why it's nice it's nice to have you on who like really digs into to what you're hearing around around the sport i appreciate mm -hmm. you chris uh number Thank six you. is james james wood outfield prospect for the nationals this is a large human being yes, at six foot six 240 pounds uh, part of the big Juan Soto haul from the Padres at last year's trade deadline uh, this year for wood an 881 ops with 14 homers and 13 steals in 75 games between high A Fredericksburg and double A Harrisburg. He's fallen off a bit since the promotion to double A in late May. Right. Uh, but that's to be expected with another 20 year old on this list. And 
um, just in terms of like eye test, he looks like he could be a force for a long time for Washington. And I, I don't know if the speed's going to remain part of his game, but you see that guy running down the, the second base line at you or something. I, I'm moving out of the yeah. way. Yeah, he is a big, big man. Like if you took just a look at him, you would say, oh, that's a defensive end for Clemson or something like that. But he instead yeah. he's an outfielder and he's a good athlete. Like he puts up plus run times and he's solidly built. This is not a guy we're talking about. Um, he's closer to Drew's body than to my body is what we're talking about. And that, and that is a compliment. No one wants either of those options. Man. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but uh, just flat out can rake from the left side. He has at least plus plus power. He could be an 80 grade power guy. Um, I've seen some people give some lower grades there. I think that they are incorrect. I think that this is a guy you're talking about who can give you 30, 40 home runs on the regular hits for a good average, has a solid approach at the plate, a lot of swing and miss, which is true for any six foot five and above player. There are going to be strikeouts like he is going to have to just absolutely mollywop the baseball in order for the average to count because, you know, he struck out 92 times this year. He struck out 75 times in 76 games last year. He is that rare guy, though, that I think can hit for average even with a lot of strikeouts because the ball just jumps off his bat. He's very similar to me in skill set to Ellie De La Cruz, except for he doesn't have the 10-9-3 speed going from home to third base. Right. That is the one thing he doesn't have, but he's not slow. He should be able to be an outfielder. That's also nice. You know, you're not talking about a guy who's going to fill the util spot on your roster. I really like him. I think that you have a good chance to see James Wood hitting in the middle of the Washington order uh, by this time next year, actually. I, I really believe in yeah. the skill set, and he'd be somebody that I would be considering using a draft slot on at the very end of drafts next year. I dig it. I, I know you hate comps, so I'm not going to ask you for one, but I was trying to think of a comp for James Wood. It's It seems like, I don't know, the, these like big sluggers have yeah. become less valuable, but he seems athletic enough to where he's yeah. not just going to be like a... Oh, he'll, a, he'll steal bases you know, too. A, Right, a three true outcomes kind of guy. He exactly. he could have he has a chance to be a little bit better than that. Absolutely. Um, number seven, Pete Crow Armstrong, outfield prospect with the Cubs. Part of the the return from the Mets for Javier Baez Ooh. in the summer of 2021. It can be easy to forget how good Baez was during that stretch run in Queens because that Mets team fell apart after right. you know over the final two months of the year, and then Baez leaves which I'm sure the Mets looking back were, were fine with the, that. He left for the Tigers, got that six year, $140 million co contract. But uh, what a big win for the Cubs. That trade was getting Crow Armstrong. Who's, who's proven to be maybe an excellent long-term pickup. He was the 19th overall pick in the 2020 draft. No minor league ball that year. That was the COVID draft. He hadn't played much pro ball. If any, when the Cubs got him in the summer of 2021, that was right at the, the August 2nd trade deadline. Mm -hmm. um, there was a bad shoulder injury early on in his career, but I don't know, checking all the boxes now could turn out to be a heck of a long-term acquisition for Chicago in that deal with Javier Baez. Yeah, absolutely. At the very worst, Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be one of the best defensive replacements in baseball. Like, 80 grade defense, one of the best trackers of the baseball you'll see uh, also has excellent speed. He can go get it with the very best with them. Um, and he is the rare guy. I am always skeptical of when I hear swing change stuff. It usually means, well, this guy just might not be very good. Nah, the swing change was for a legitimate reason. And he's really tapped into his power. Now, we're not talking about a 30 homer guy. I think we're talking about 20 to 25 homers. He's only hit 10 this year, but he can hit the ball into the gaps. He's added a bunch of lofts to his swing. He has a really solid approach at the plate. He's like more assertive than like a guy who draws a ton of walks. He's only drawn 23 this year. That's not bad. He puts it on pace for about 60 or 70. Top of the order type of player who can steal bases. Already stolen 23. Stolen 57 already in his 168 games. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be a five-category player. Wouldn't throw completely rule out him having a chance to make his debut with the Cubs this year. Usually, the Cubs usually like to go station to station with these guys. But I could see, especially if the Cubs are still in that cesspool of a division, I could see them saying, hey, 
Let's see if we can get Crow Armstrong in there. And at the very least, he's going to be a big improvement over what we're getting defensively. And if he can hit, that's great too. If not, I expect him to be a regular hitting near the top of the order by about 2024. Yeah, I was going to ask who on this list is most likely to reach the majors first. It's probably who you have at number 10. Um, we'll get to that. But I think Crow it's Armstrong actually number nine, but we'll go. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, number eight. Let's before we what what a tease. We're getting better at this. <laughs> um, Jackson Merrill at, at number eight, shortstop prospect with the Padres. A lot of hype coming into the year mm-hmm. after a really good showing between rookie ball and low A last season. He was the 27th overall pick in 2021 out of a high school in Maryland. The numbers haven't been as spectacular in high A this season, but he just turned 20 years old. And even through like some of these stat line struggles, if we can call it that in high A ball, he's cut his strikeout rate from an already low percentage. Um, seems to me at least to make a lot of contact, some of that hard contact. Tell me more about Jackson Merrill. So in terms of hit tool, I think he takes the cake of all of the prospects that we've talked about, which is saying something because Jackson Holiday has a pretty special one. Um, this was a guy who hit 339 last year. It's worth pointing out that Merrill was hitting about 261 until about 10 games ago and has seen that average go up 20 points. I believe in his hit tool as much as any prospect that we'll talk about today or any prospect in baseball. He's also a strong defenser, defender up the middle, should be a shortstop in the long term. The power is more project than current. Um, He's hit 10 home runs this year in Fort Wayne. That's not a bad number at all in 68 games, but I do think he has enough loft in his swing and is going to be filling out his frame enough. He's six foot three, 195 pounds. Uh, He's, if you were a pitcher, you'd be screaming about the projection that this guy has in his body. Uh, I think he's going to fill out his frame and be a 20 to 25 homer guy. Not an elite runner, but I think 15 to 20 stolen bases, especially in today's age, is going to be reasonable for him. It was ridiculous that people were talking about this guy as a potential helper this year. Um, he had not played above uh, yeah, A ball, right. and people were saying well, maybe this guy yeah, could help. The, the plate approach here. seems so mature. You know, I, I, get, yes. I get why there was that. But, sure, yeah. absolutely. And there's so little swing and miss of this guy's game. He struck out 37 times in 279 plate appearances while still making hard contact. That's a very hard thing to do. Um, he's more of a 2025 play for me than a 2024 play, even. But I do think that in terms of a guy that you're looking for who can hit for a high average, probably hit at the top of the order for the Padres when he's ready to roll, uh, somebody you have to be rostering in Dynasty Leagues right now. All right, number nine, who we just kind of indicated could potentially help in the majors this year, Colt Keith, a third base mm-hmm. prospect with the Tigers. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick in 2020 out of a high school in Mississippi. Uh, looking like a great grab for that was the former re- regime, I guess, still Alavila uh, before Scott Harris and company took over the Detroit front office uh, this yeah. year at age 21. But between double A Erie and triple A Toledo, Keith has batted 335 with a 993 OPS and 310 plate appearances, 16 homers, 19 doubles, and 57 RBIs in 67 games. Seems like the kind of guy that Tigers lineup could use. Um, Man, just like looking at their lineup every day, and, and we do this as, as part of our job on Rotowire, fixing you know projected batting orders. They're just the Tigers are like throwing a lot of names at the wall <laughs> and and hoping they stick, and then that becomes their batting order on a nightly basis. Oh, um, I if 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 we if we were talking about like a, a contender or even someone close to contending, I think it'd be a more reasonable, logical conversation to be like he needs to be up in the majors right now. With where the Tigers are and what they project to be next year, um, unless some of their pitching injury woes can get sorted out, like I feel like maybe this waits until 2024. You know, by all logic and reason, this guy should be up, but you know, we know how that goes. Yeah, I will say this though: the Cardinals are only, or excuse me, that's a very horrible slip there. I very much apologize. The Detroit Tigers. Me. Detroit Tigers are only six games back. They're uh, they're still kind of in this thing. So are the White Sox. The Royals are also a baseball team. I, I really like Colt Keith. And here's the thing. He might be in that draft the best player that they took out of Arizona State. 
Spencer Torkelson, I still think he has a chance to be a pretty good one, but I think Colt Keith has a chance to be the best player they took out of there, in part because I do think Colt Keith has a chance to be a third baseman. He is not an elite defender. He's a below-average athlete, um, but you're talking about plus hit tool and plus power. Uh, it's worth pointing out that he just got the promotion to AAA. It's only 29 at-bats, 414, 471, 655. That'll play, folks. He's really impressed. Scouts have been really impressed with the work he's done on developing the power. That was kind of the biggest question mark was whether or not that power was going to develop. Now, both people have the power tool ahead of the hit tool, uh, a chance to be 65, 60 there, but it's uh, a, certainly a player who I think major league ready in terms of offense, but because of the reasons you brought up, yeah, they're only six games back, but let's be realistic here, folks. The tigers are closer to being sellers than they are to being contenders Band geography, band divisions, all of that stuff. The fact that we're even talking about whether or not the Tigers could be a playoff team this year is absolutely stupid. Um, but I really like Keith. If he is somebody that the Tigers do bring up, he's absolutely somebody I'd be adding for a fantasy roster because the two positions, the two positions he can play, third base and second base, are not exactly fantasy um, loaded. You know what I mean? So I'd be looking to add him to my lineup yeah. and uh, you can either put him in the corner infield spot, middle infield spot, third base, second base, a lot to like about Colt Keith. And and in, in like real life terms, they could DH him too. It's not like they've had an answer. That's a good DH point. Spot, you know? Yeah. Great point. Yeah. They could play him defender. anywhere. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, number 10, who I talked about could potentially reach the majors this year. Kyle Harrison starting pitcher for the giants. There was talk in the spring about, him making like an early season debut. Um, he's going to sure. be out for the next couple of weeks at AAA Sacramento and actually isn't going to pitch in the futures game because he suffered a moderate right hamstring strain earlier this week. But uh, that's just a, a blip. Uh, Giants president Farhan Zaidi said Friday that Harrison could still make his debut this year, which will become all the more likely if the Giants move some starting pitchers ahead of the August 1 trade deadline. I think they will actually finally do that. Um, Harrison's only 20 years old turns 22 in August and has, you know, a 4.79 ERA this year at AAA, a 1.56 whip, but he's young and he's struck out 92 batters in 56 and a third innings. He had 186 strikeouts in 113 in innings last year between high A and double A. Uh, a fast rising dude as, as a third round selection out of high school in, in the shortened 2022 COVID draft. Yeah, there's a lot to like about uh, his long-term potential. Like, his swing and miss stuff is, and look, there, I knew that uh, Harrison wasn't going to be participating in this. I just felt bad that I didn't need a pitcher, a single pitcher in this thing, because well, let's face it. I'll mention a, a couple of names in the, uh, in the uh, uh, names to name type of thing. This is more of mid rotation starter types or guys who are a few years away. There are a couple of exceptions, um, but look, you're talking about 70 fastball, 60 slider, and a 55 change when he shows it as well. Uh, it needs to show it more often. The issue with Kyle Harrison is that, is he going to throw enough strikes? He's walked 44 guys in 56 in the third innings this year. It's been better as of late. And you see that he has struck out 92 batters in 56 in the third innings this year in AAA, which is just stupid. Uh, 214 average against. Uh, can get the keep the ball on the ground for the most part. He's allowed nine homers and 56 in the third innings this year. I don't think that's too terrible. I mean, that's uh, in today's day and age. But I mean, it's not elite, but you don't. That sh does show you that the command needs work as well. It's not just the fact that he misses spots. Um, he misses strike zone an awful lot too along with it. Elite ace upside. The Giants have done a pretty darn good job with profiles like this as well, which is something that I think you yeah. have to add in. Um I could see Harrison being a multi-inning type of guy for them this year, like the type of guy who, look, I don't think anybody's using openers more than the San Francisco Giants this year. Like, the, it seems like yeah. every time we're updating the pitching schedule, we're guessing to see who's going to be opening for him. We can't have John Brebbia starting every game, folks. Uh, but it does. Ryan Walker like, again today. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's exactly it. Like, there are just a ton of uh, opportunities for him to be that guy who throws two and a third, three innings, and still qualify for a win. I like Harrison a lot. Just be cognizant if he does get that call up. If you're in a whip battle, maybe steer clear because there's a chance for him to issue an awful lot of self-inflicted damage. All right, yeah, just throw out some other names that are 
going to be, or, or at least got an invite to the futures game and, and might make an appearance at, at some point. Sure. Uh, Kyle Manzardo was the name that I had near the top of my list for a very long time. He is going through it, folks, has really struggled as of late, um, has made a big dip on my imminent arrivals article, which I'll promote real quick. Every Wednesday, I have my top 10 prospects for redraft leagues, uh, but I still like Kyle Manzardo an awful lot in the long term, a guy who uh, was showing close to an 80 grade hit tool before uh, the season started. Has not really shown up, but he has a really good approach, above average power, limited to first base, but I still think offensively he has a chance to be a really good one. Uh, one of the few guys who got an invite for the Mariners, Jonathan Classe, already hit 15 homers and stolen 40 bases. His stock is on the rise, folks. Definitely a player I'd be considering adding in Dynasty now because it's going to take uh, a lot if you want to add him uh, at the later portions. We're talking about a 2025 play more than a 2024, uh, maybe even 2026. There, there is some work to be done here, but definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Heston Kierstad, which I think is one of the best stories in baseball, um, a guy who we didn't know when he was going to get to play again, to be completely honest with you, after he was the second pick of the 2020 draft, uh, dealt with yeah. some health stuff, has looked really good, uh, chance to draw a ton of walks, has above average power, not a great defensive player, but I think good enough to be an outfielder. Once again, the Orioles are just a stupid organization right now. Um, Tink Hentz, one of the pitchers that I wanted to talk about, uh, a member of your Cardinals. Don't think we're seeing him this Thank year, you. but certainly has the stuff to be a uh, near the top of the rotation starter. Probably the most upside of any pitcher that was invited to this list, uh, except for one guy that I'll bring up in just a second. Uh, Ryan Bliss of the Arizona Diamondbacks has put up absolute monster numbers in double A, was not a prospect that a lot of people were talking about before the year. Now I think Bliss does have a chance to make his debut this year. Be nice if he was doing it in triple A instead of double A. There are not a ton of prospects in triple A right now that are putting up big numbers. Most of the good guys are either already up or they are in the lower levels. Everybody we talked about uh, on this list pretty much. I don't think Colt Keith and Carl Harrison were the only triple A guys that we talked about, and they were at the very bottom of this list. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of double A and high A guys. Sorry. A lot yeah. of double A and high A guys for sure. And then uh, real quick for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, a guy who's rising real quick, and I'm going to screw up pronouncing his name because I've done it every time. Jacob Misirowski, Misirowski, Jacob, we'll just call him Jake. Uh, one of the best pitching prospects in the Milwaukee system already has made a massive leap. A guy that a bunch of people think is actually a top 50 prospect now um, made a huge leap in terms of them. Exciting to see. But most of the pitching that you're going to see today, folks, is uh, back end mid rotation stuff. Um, it's disappointing. It has to do with the fact that a lot of these guys have already played in futures games before uh, a couple of times and the fact that there's just a lot of injured pitchers. <laughs> there are a lot of pitchers like yeah. Andrew Painter, who, oh boy, Andrew uh, Painter getting getting checked out right now. Um, a couple of pitchers for the Guardians that have been called up, and then Daniel Espino, who I think has some of the best stuff in the minor leagues, unfortunately, an injured guy too, who hasn't had a chance to make his debut. You could argue that the two of the best prospects um, in baseball haven't gotten a chance to pitch. Uh, I did see somebody real quick, Drew, ask about hanging on to Yuri Perez. Yeah, I'm still rostering Yuri Perez. This is extremely frustrating and extremely stupid. It's unbelievable that Major League Baseball lets this stuff happen. Oh, it makes me mad, but uh, <laughs> I'm still rostering Yuri Perez. Oh, I just got real angry real quick thinking about the Yuri Perez. I, I agree, I agree with you. It, it you know, it's, it's, it, I think it depends on what kind of format your league is in. Sure. But he's going to be back. Um, you know, they're, they're using the all-star break. And of course, he's going to have to have a stunted workload eventually, but I think he's going to get another start before the end of July. Is that crazy to think like, or, or at I least around so. the beginning of August? I don't know. I sure hope so. Um, either way, we need to get you to your all-inclusive uh, dirty martini <laughs> futures game suite at T-Mobile Park. So let's do uh, two streamers for Sunday and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, give sure. me yours. Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Bialik in part because uh, I looked at Sunday's list and it was not inspired. And I will just say that, uh, the main reason I'm going with uh, Bialik is because the Mariners have scored a bunch of runs as of late, and I can see that slowing down. I, I could see 
uh, Bialik being the guy who kind of puts a reality check into my Seattle Mariners a little bit. Um, it's pitched pretty well. I mean, he hasn't been an elite option by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'm just throwing my dart out there with Brandon Bialik. Uh, I think you probably just threw a dart out with your name, to be honest, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there are like some some really like top tier names that are that are closing out the the first half for their respective right. teams, but there's not a lot to choose from, from a, a streaming perspective. Uh, I went with JP Sears, who mm. I mentioned earlier as an occasional streamer for the A's. He's going up against the Red Sox in Sunday's first half finale, uh, seven and a third scoreless innings last time out at Detroit, a, a 1.05 whip on the season, 89 strikeouts and 94 and two thirds innings. So maybe some ERA help and some strikeouts. I, that, that Red Sox lineup has been easy to navigate at times this year. I, I know their their team wide OPS is all right, but um, I I wouldn't bake on a win for JP Sears with the the A's being the A's. But good rate stat play I think on Sunday, and I'm finally going to win one of these because you've dominated me the last two weeks. Yes, yes I have, but that's okay. It's been. Um... A fun first half, Drew. We've had uh, fun doing this all year, and uh, we look forward to giving you a bunch more stuff over the second half of the year. Uh, that's going to Cape Cod. And oh, yeah. Cape Cod. Ten, going ten hours. To <laughs> that, that sounds like a lot of fun, although going to, getting on a plane sounds miserable to me right now, um, but that's okay. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Road I'll survive that. Today. I'll survive that. You, you will survive that. That is for dang sure. That'll do it for us on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast for the third time. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Crawford underscore MILB. Drew is at Drew Silve. Pretty soon we'll be promoting our Blue Sky accounts, folks. Rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Hit that subscribe button as well and check out more episodes from a variety of hosts on a variety of topics every single day of the week. Watch the Futures game. It's a fun one.